On this episode of Hit the Deck, they say those that can do and those that can't teach. What if someone who could taught anyway? Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, that's what it is, is that I absolutely love the game of hockey. Mm. I mean, I have you know, my favorite team and stuff, but I love the game more than I love any player, than any team. The game it really needs to be expanded, and that's like what I'm trying to do here. And call it Christmas in July if you want, but it's the most wonderful time of the year in North Carolina. Three-on-three format, 10-minute games, running clock, no offsides, and a ton of fun. All this and more coming up on this episode of Hit the Deck. Game on! Welcome to episode 145 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. And oh my, it's, uh, it's, 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 I feel like I just recorded the, the last episode and I also feel like I recorded the last episode a year ago. It's, it's been that kind of week. So, uh. I, he, um, I'm, I'm a little bit all over the place, but that's just me. That's of no concern to you. And, uh, you know, I think what is of concern to you is this episode of hit the deck. And so you want to know exactly what's going to happen in this episode of hit the deck. And you won't know that until we get a proper start to it. So I think it would behoove us to jump straight into tonight's starting lineup. And for tonight's starting lineup, in goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey. And, of course, my industrious co-host. On defense, number four, I'm James Sejazi, and we are honored to have a very special guest with us tonight. Commissioner Glenn Cunningham, defenseman number 32. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Glenn. Oh, it's great to be here. Glenn, we will get right back to you momentarily, eh, slightly more than momentarily, given our track record, but... but Pretty soon. So if you can just, uh, you know, go get a drink or, or you know, something and, and just just chill out for a few more minutes, we will be right back with you. But first, I wanted to ask in the spirit of our guest tonight, you know, what I'm talking about James. How, 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 how was your week? <laughs> oh, man, that was a good one. Uh, it, it was a week. How was yours? Both exhausting and a lot of fun. Oh, good. <laughs> because, uh, James, for most of the last week, I was in Disney World. Oh, wow. So, okay, you win. Yeah. Yeah. So, James, you know this. The listener does not know this. But when we released the scrimmage for the 4th of July, on that scrimmage, I talked about how I had spent those days at Disney and all the fun patriotic things I was doing over the course of those days for some unplanned personal reasons. I did not actually wind up doing any of those things that I said I did. I inadvertently lied to all of you. Unfortunately, something came up, something happened that caused my family and I to have to abruptly cut short our vacation halfway through and come home. So fortunately, 
circumstances shook out such that we were able to postpone the bulk of that trip, the second half of our vacation, instead of having to outright cancel it. And so as it happened, the timing worked out such that this past week was when we were able to make good on that second half of our trip. So I recorded the podcast on Thursday night. I edited it on Friday. I left on Saturday morning. I got home yesterday. And today I am back recording the podcast again. And you didn't tell me any of that. So I'm astounded by your professionalism and unbelievable. That That is remarkable, American Rhino. This podcast, and in fact, my entire day has been sponsored by Mountain Dew. <laughs> Excellent job. Absolutely phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, I, I, we, we, we did get to see Goofy again. So, uh, you oh, know, good. among other things, we had a fun time and did a lot. You know, my daughter had a great time and it was just, you know, it was, it was, it was a little hectic. It was a, no, it wasn't a little hectic. It was a lot hectic. I, uh, I feel like I aged a year in the last five days, but, uh, I am, you know, <laughs> I am here now and I'm happy to be doing the podcast again. Yeah, welcome back. Really excellent. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but uh, so that was my week. But, you know, my week was not the only thing that happened this week. The only thing of note. And, uh, you know, as as we do have certain proclivities and certain hobbies that we like to discuss here on the podcast, one very important thing that happened this week, well, not important in the cosmic sense, but important to James and I was at San Diego Comic-Con, the trailer for the brand new Star Trek Picard series dropped. And there was there was a little teaser that dropped a number of months ago that really didn't provide much information this this trailer was a lot more uh, forthcoming with you know maybe not details but some of the story beats that we might expect to see in this show and as longtime fans of star trek in general star trek the next generation in particular and jean-luc picard specifically uh, and you know this was a big deal for us. I, I, I think I'm speaking on your behalf, James, but I think I speak for both of us. Yes, and you're much more articulate, too. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, you know, this this past week at San Diego Comic-Con was, of course, Captain Picard Day. Captain Picard Day? Oh, uh, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's for the children. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm a role model. <laughs> yes, yes, you are, Mr. Stewart. Sir Patrick, and uh, actually the banner from the Captain Picard Day episode was featured in the trailer. And so it was all just, just, oh, there were all the emotions. And Brent Spiner was there. And oh, my goodness. And seven of nine. And it was just fantastic. It was it was a treat. It was a real treat. So it's something that I'm definitely looking forward to. And uh, James, what was your take on the whole thing? Yeah, very well said. I was I was hooked and, and excited by it. But at the very last part of it, when you saw Mr. Data pop out of nowhere, uh, I really got very excited. So I, I'm, I'm on board. Hopefully they get some Deep Space Nine involved in there, too. But uh, it looks it looks fantastic. James, I, I think we're having too good a time. It sounds like the cops are after you to shut you down. <laughs> yeah. 
There's Brooklyn for you. Thank you very much. But uh, and and also, I watched the panel on YouTube. I watched the panel for the uh, the Comic Con panel that went along with the Star Trek Picard show. And one thing I didn't notice, but was kind of made clear on the panel, was that there was a third Star Trek alum who was returning to this series that I, I hadn't noticed. And that's Jonathan Del Arco, who played Hugh, the 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 Borg who developed a oh. uh, a personality and uh, a, a a an individuality in the Next Generation series. So I imagine he's going to be playing a somewhat key role in this series as well. Interesting, interesting. And hopefully, speaking of Hugh and, and the connection with the. Uh, Jordy LaForge, maybe we could get a few more cast members involved. Well, I at the risk of spoiling, but I mean they talked about it at the panel, so whatever. They did they didn't mention Jordy LaForge, but they did say that we could look forward to appearances by Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis. Cool. So uh yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Riker will uh will be on this series in, in some form or fashion. All right. And we need Mr. Worf, too, because he can he can even bridge the gap between Deep Space Nine and the next generation, too. I'm uh, sorry that I, I ask for too much. So I don't want to rain on anybody's parade. Listen, I will take me some Michael Dorn anytime they deign to give him to me. So that's fine with me. <laughs> I mean, he's been pushing for his own Star Trek series for years now. So Heck yeah. I mean, I thought that when, when the movies were going down with, with the next generation and all that stuff, that, that I s almost verbatim, I said, I want to see a Worf movie because he's such a fascinating character and there's so much to delve into. And, and what he brought to Deep Space Nine, it just it, that, that series was great to begin with, but with the Defiant and everything, it just went to a whole other level. I'm, I'm definitely on board for that. I, I love Worf. James, I could talk about... Captain Picard and Star Trek and this new series for for forever at great length forever is a, a an exaggeration but I could I could speak about this at great length and perhaps sometime I will but for now I think we should probably try to move on because we do have quite a lot of show to get to would you agree yes you're absolutely right and apologies to uh, Glenn and thank you for your patience no of course uh, that's you know I, I I hope Glenn is a, a, you know, if he's not a Star Trek fan, I hope he is at least uh, understanding enough of a personal passion that he will indulge us in speaking about it for, for a while. So, you know, he seems like good people and we probably should find out just how good people he actually is. So in that vain james could i impress upon you please to tell us what is on deck for this podcast i will certainly give it a try thanks very much they got a lot of nice gear the american rhino and i welcome mr glenn cunningham of the lagrange street hockey league to hit the deck glenn is an incredible representative of deck hockey and we are honored to have him on to talk all about it and the 2019 raleigh street hockey league summer shootout is coming Saturday, July 27th at the Greensboro Sportsplex in North Carolina. If you aren't playing, then go support Kevin Frost and the gang. If you can't make it, Mr. Daniel Wilson will have all the great action on the RSHL YouTube channel. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. 
And uh, man, okay, so <laughs> we should probably get to Glenn because, as we said, he's you know he's been waiting. So I don't want to keep him waiting anymore. So we do have Glenn Cunningham here of the Lagrange Street Hockey League, and if you don't know, that is a league in Georgia where they have a completely donation-based deck hockey program and uh, it's 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 really it's remarkable and we are very big fans of the work that you do and we are very pleased that you were able to devote the time tonight oh thank you i was working with the kids earlier this evening and uh was telling their parents that this was coming up and they're like all excited so they they can't wait till they get the chance to hear this oh boy <laughs> that's some yeah. pressure there james <laughs> yeah we better bring our a game tonight thanks Glenn. Yeah. we better make yeah. this one good yeah. <laughs> no we appreciate that though that, that's really cool and uh hopefully yeah we will help your cause and uh spread the word on the great league of lagrange street hockey and and of deck hockey all around yeah oh it's a great sport that's for sure speaking of which very happy sixth birthday to lagrange street hockey as uh what was it july 21st i believe july was 21st yes. yep was our anniversary very so cool. yeah, that's another year in the books and we're a little bit bigger than we were last year we're a little more popular than we were last year i just started a, another uh, training program so i've got two kids groups and the uh the adult program so there's a lot going on hockey is it's growing it's um i'd like to think it's like developing undercurrent you know (laughs) people are on the street are starting to recognize who i am they're like hey you're the hockey guy (laughs) very cool it's kind of interesting what i like is the way they they mention hockey it's they'll say are you still doing the hockey (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah just like yeah i'm doing the hockey (laughs) fantastic yeah i I guess they don't know about since they never played they don't realize it's a game so it's it's like a dance or something like the hockey pocky yeah. Well, Glenn, why don't you tell us, if you don't mind, how you became the hockey guy? How did you uh, come to hockey? What's your background? So I grew up in Massachusetts, about 45 miles north and west of Boston, out in the woods. And my very first hockey experience, I was seven years old. It was 1970, and the Bruins win the Stanley Cup. Wow. Okay. Nice. And it, that was the flying goal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was hooked. When my father had the, the money, he would buy us a couple of sticks. And my brother and I, and we'd go outside and we'd play either out in the yard or um, we'd go down to a local pond and, and play on the pond. It just, uh, my brother and I, <laughs> we were a little rough. We didn't always have a puck and we didn't always have a ball, but we had a dirt driveway. So we'd find a rock that was about the size of a puck <laughs> and we'd shoot rocks at each other. Um, I'm sure your parents we, love that. Your mom especially. Yeah, well. When you're two years older than your brother and the poor kid's only got a, a little wooden stick and a baseball glove and you're firing rocks at them, that doesn't make you really popular. No, I imagine not. <laughs> it trains a good goalie, though, I'd imagine. It does. It, it does. Yeah. So most of the time when I was younger, I, I was like playing out and then um, my parents were, were poor. So I never got to play organized hockey in school because my parents couldn't afford it. Okay. And that's, a, that's an important point. So... On my street were a couple of hockey players and the high school goalie that, you know, when I was in high school, he lived on the street. So what he would do is he would bring his his leg pads and his catchment and blocker and I'd bring my goalie stick down there and I'd go ahead and strap that on on the pond. Okay, no other pads, no helmet, no nothing. And then stand there and take shots out there on the pond. And I didn't have skates, so I had to play in boots. 
Whoa. So I, I did the best I could. And all through high school, they were just, you've got to come and play. Like, you've got to play with And I, I, I can't. When I was in high school, a senior, I ran a 10-second 100-yard dash. And the, um, the guys were like, you could put that on the ice. <laughs> and um, I was like, I, I can't. I just, I just couldn't. So that, that experience, uh, I lived in Canada for a while. I had lived in the Northeast, a couple different places after I got out of high school. Lived in Canada and Toronto and Halifax, Nova Scotia, not too far from where Crosby grew up. Mm. And then it was in Wisconsin for a while, Minnesota, and then down here to Georgia. Yeah, it's like every hotbed of hockey you can find. <laughs> I mean, Massachusetts by itself is, is, is incredible, but wow, we. Yeah, it just, I think it was 20 miles away from where I grew up is where deck hockey originated and uh, the whole Milek thing. And yeah, I mean, like it's, it's really, it's, you know, it's real big, but I, you know, for a while there with my family and all and raising kids, I didn't get to play anymore. Like it was just, there was no time. Mm. And then I moved here to Georgia, started working here and was working out at the gym. Okay. Just going in there and just, you know, lifting weights and using the, the elliptical machine, stuff like that. And I met another guy that's here that's from Boston. Oh. And um, he, he got here a couple of years before I did. And they used to call him Boston. <laughs> and then I, I said, all right, you got to show me this Boston kid. Like, I need to meet Boston. Sure. And I, and I met Brett. And I'm like, okay, there's no way in, in heck I'm calling you Boston. That's not happening. <laughs> but we got to be good friends. And um, one day we were talking about how we hated using the elliptical and the bikes and the treadmills and all that kind of crap. And he said, I wish we could play hockey. Well, I remembered that when I first moved here, let's see, I met Brett in um, about 2013. I moved here in 2006. For two years, they had a roller hockey league here. Okay. And we played on the rink that we now use. But it died out because guys got older, they got married graduate high school, college, you know, life changes. And that's what happens with a lot of leagues. You know, you get married, start having kids. You don't really have time, you know, to be playing hockey, doing stuff with your kids and your family. So when Brett said, I wish we could do hockey, I remembered the rink. And I said, listen, I'll buy 10 hockey sticks and a couple of pucks, and we'll try to get somebody from here to go over there and we'll play. And it ended up being Sunday, July 21st. Wow. All right. So we got eight guys to go over there and play. And... We played 20-minute periods running around in that ring. I'll tell you what, by Ooh. the end of the third period, yeah, we were all laying on the floor gasping for breath. We were nearly dead. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> and it was from that I started doing it every Sunday. And there were many Sundays where there was no one there. And it was just me and a stick and a puck just shooting at the, at the goals. Wow. And so that's... That's how it got started. I mean, I had um, my sister lives in Auburn. It's about 40 minutes from here. She ended up coming up and playing. So she was one of the very first women that was playing hockey with us. We didn't have any pads then. We were still using those hard plastic street hockey pucks. Mm. And she was playing defense. We'd put a, a tarp in the goal and my sister would stand in there and knock pucks down and that kind of stuff, which also encouraged some other women to come and start to play with us. And then it just slowly kept growing. People would come, they'd invite their friends, and some of the original ones disappeared. And it's just, it's kept growing. I guess that's that's the way it got started. Was it the LaGrange Street Hockey League from day one, or did it just kind of 
become a thing you tried a few times and then at some point when you had a string of successes you decided to name it when i had enough people that would show up it started what am i going to call this thing what is this and the name was like Woodgrain Street Hockey because we're playing street hockey. And I thought, okay, that's what we're going to do. Now, the team actually wasn't until just last year when we like officially said our name is the Hooligans. Okay. Because we were kidding around about, yeah, we'll be the farmers, the cotton pickers, stuff like that. But Brett said, hey, let's go with Hooligans. And we're like, oh, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where that came from. When more people started to play, the rink still wasn't asking for dues. So they weren't asking us to pay to play. We could just show up. Wow. Um, and then I started collecting the goalie gear. And when, I guess as I thought through it, knowing that the attrition rate because of people like leaving, it's like, I got to make this as easy as I can. And the roller hockey league died because there were not enough new people coming in to fill those that were leaving. And I was like, this is such a niche sport mm. doing that. It already has a difficult time to get a following here. But when you make it like inaccessible because you want to be a, a purist, well, that's not going to work. And so I said, we're going to be playing the sneakers. I'll provide the equipment. And that's what I started doing. Started just buying stuff, bringing stuff. Brett and I talked to, I don't know, tons and tons of people about coming to play. And so now here we are six years later in the adult group. When they're all there, we've got a little over 20. Fantastic. How many so, games a week do you get? On Sundays, we play from one to five. It gives us enough time to have two games. The adults only play on Sunday. The junior league plays Thursday nights, and we're there from 5.30 to 8. And then I just started a new program at a, uh, a youth home for boys that they have their own. They have a gym that was built in 1958. It's a beautiful wood floor, and we're in there, and I'm teaching them how to play, and we do that on Wednesday nights. Fantastic. So I'm playing like three times a week. I mean, I'm running or trying to run three times a week. <laughs> um, but really, the, the fun time is Sundays. Hey, on that beautiful wood floor, are there any restrictions on what gear you can play in? I know sometimes places like that, they only let you play with plastic blades or, you know, certain kinds of sneakers or something. It's, it's, can you play with whatever or, or do they lay yeah. down the law on that? No, we can play with whatever. The only thing I feel bad about is that, you know, we take the blades and so the tape will will leave streaks that you can rub off. Mm. Okay, they'll leave streaks on the floor, but nothing that we use tear it up. Nothing yeah. tears it up. Good. Yeah. So they 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 don't mind. In fact, the uh, the doctor that runs the program asked me about that. And I said the sticks will leave streaks, but not things that you couldn't buff out of the floor. And she's like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> and yeah, very considerate of you to to tape the sticks too, because uh, that makes a big difference. Because like I have um, when I, I live alone, so it doesn't matter what I do to my place. But when I'm practicing by myself, I have one stick that I don't have tape on, and yeah, I'm on my knees trying to scrub out the scuffs that it leaves. But when you leave the tape on it, it really uh, is much easier to maintain, and you're not scratching anything or or, or even chipping the yeah. wood floor. So I think if it if it were to be like a problem, they have those those plastic wraparounds that you can put on your stick for playing like on asphalt mm -hmm. concrete and you could put that on there and then you, you wouldn't have to worry at all yeah gary and i are very familiar with the wraparounds as a matter of fact oh okay they don't yeah. seem yeah. to make the goalie ones anymore i've only found the forward stick wraparounds now oh wow i never even thought about one for a goalie stick yeah they used to the metal ones they used to have for, for a little while they had one for a goalie stick but i guess they stopped making it oh 
Yeah, they probably weren't selling enough to to make them. Mm-hmm. So, oh well, we're goalies anyways. We're used to being the redheaded stepchildren. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Which is odd because you're only the most important players on the decks. So yeah. <laughs> go figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all a little bit crazy. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. space under the stairs, you know. <laughs> well, God bless you all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so basically, that was your original vision of the uh, LSHL, just kind of like a pickup league and you know spreading the sport of hockey. So that that was the start. The the plan is that it expands enough. I have enough people coming in. I really can develop individual teams that we can play multiple nights, and then the final uh, fate the accompli would be having our own rink. Where and, it, and it's a full size rink. Like our rink is not a full size rink. It's only one twenty by sixty. Okay. So it's like half as long and two thirds as wide. But that kind of translates a little bit better for a deck, correct? Yes. I understand what you're saying. You want the you know two hundred by one hundred or yeah by ninety whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, we only can really play. All right. So I did the math and figured out how many square feet is covered per person on a full-size <laughs> rink. And then I reduced that to how many people, what is the optimal amount of people to have on our rink to cover the same amount of space? And it actually came up to three and a half, okay? And I'm like, I can't find half people. <laughs> All right. So Maybe you can um, bring in one of the kids, like one kid. Yeah, well, it, it's funny because with the kids now, they, they look like a, like one of those cluster snowballs where everything's like all over the place, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can, you can have a whole bunch of kids out there, and that's not a problem. But with the adults, we play, uh, it's four, four on four. Okay. Do you find... And, it, and we have, you know, we have a center line. We have the blue lines. It, it's all marked and everything. Is that Ooh. four on four plus goalie or including goalie? No, it's four on four plus goalie. Okay. And do you find that it feels a little crowded or is that a good number? I know that it's a little over the optimal, mm-hmm. but nobody really knows because they've never really played. Now, we've gone up and played with the Metro Atlanta Street Hockey Association, the Masher Group, and we played with them up in Atlanta. And they have a full-size rink that's uh, it's covered, but it's outdoors. And they're like, holy smokes. It's like it's so much bigger. It's like no wonder why you can get five, you know, ten people out there running around. You know, as opposed to what, what we have. But ours is perfect for the, uh, the tournaments that we have. I mean, it looks just like your standard hockey rink. It's got the yellow dasher and footboard. It's got whiteboards. And it's got NHL glass around the thing. Uh, it has penalty boxes. It's got benches. It's really, it's a nice, uh, and they've got netting up on the ends. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I mean, it looks like a, if you didn't know any different, You'd think it was a real hockey rink, other than you know it doesn't have ice. That sounds like a beautiful facility. It really, it really is, uh, and I'm, I'm very thankful that the Troop County Parks and uh, Recreation at the Mike Daniel Center graciously lets us host our events when we're doing fundraisers, and we go ahead and, and play there. So I have the local power company, Diverse Power. They are the local electric cooperative for the last well since they started the kids program. So the last three years. They've um, graciously paid $800 a year so that we have access to that that rink. And we have time set aside. No one takes it from us. Wow. That's extraordinary. Yeah. It's it really, this is, there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm thankful for. 
Do you have like a banner or or uh, or a decal or something that you have of them as the sponsor that you can put up on the boards? So yeah, we do. We have two banners that are on opposite ends or on the long ends, the sides. It says Lagrange Street Hockey League has Glenn Cunningham chairman, has Brett Milan manager, and and then. The major sponsors when we first started out, companies that just donated the money. So I'm not a 501, the the league's not a 501c3 or 501c4, whatever it is. Mm. It's not that. So when we went around asking for people to uh, donate, they were willingly just giving me a check and saying, here you go. And I made sure that that money was used exclusively for hockey. A lot of it, I probably on my own have somewhere between five yeah i'm going to say more like eight to ten thousand dollars my own money invested in making this work piranis up in michigan they've been they've worked with me when i view the buy like a bundle of sticks and things like that they've given me their price on sticks i had a company pioneer research out there in phoenix arizona they saw what we were doing and we talked about they wanted to, to help and what they did was i ordered the things through piranis they paid Piranis, and then they shipped it directly to us. So there was no money exchange, and that worked out perfect. Yeah, that's really incredible. And you can check all this out on LaGrangeHockey.com, by the way, where they have some pictures of the rink there. And, uh, yeah, all the sponsors are right there. Uh, Piranis, uh, I've heard of them. If you need some gear, that that's an amazing story. Diverse Power is right there. Black Biscuit, McKean Realty, yeah. Piedmont. That, that's really an amazing labor of love. So really well done to you and to all the sponsors, Glenn. Yeah, we're, we're really thankful that, you know, that people were willing to step up and, and help us out. The same thing when we do our fundraisers. We did one for cancer research and we raised over $3,000. And that was from companies and, and, you know, individual donors and stuff like that. That went right to the NHL cancer program. Oh, that's uh, excellent. So now the sponsors that you've mentioned, it sounds like these are mostly monetary donations. What about the, the actual gear donations that you take? Where do you get those from? Where do you source those? <laughs> okay, so the, the gear donations, the way that got started was buying things on eBay and trying to build up a fan base. So I would buy someone's hockey gear. Didn't matter what it was, mostly goalie gear for me. But I would buy <laughs> the stuff. And I would send the person a note saying, you know, thank you for, you know, shipping it right away for it being reasonably priced. And if you keep an eye on our hockey page, you will see your gear at some point being used on the floor by one of our goalies, one of the kids or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I told him just a little bit about it. Well, next thing I know, I had a gentleman in New York, another one in Chicago. They're already in hockey leagues. And they said, hey, we're playing with a bunch of guys that have like spare stuff. Can we send it to you? So one Christmas, I got like three big boxes of stuff from Chicago. Merry Christmas. Um, yeah. And, and so like all different size, like, I mean, like real little kids things mm. and then adult stuff. And, and so it started coming in like that. And then I supplement it with whatever else that I, you know, I need shin pads and gloves and, and whatever. The helmets are all new. And then I had the park and rec here in town. They used to have that roller hockey program. They let me take care of all of their old gear. So that that also gets used. So it's there are people buying into what we're doing and I, it's, it's working out. Yeah, that is such an amazing representation of what Gary and I feel deck hockey is all about, but hockey in general. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, that's what it is, is that I absolutely love the game of hockey. 
Mm. I mean, I have you know my favorite team and stuff, but I love the game more than I love any player, than any team. The game, it really needs to be expanded, and that's like what I'm trying to do here. You know, you just asked, or, or just out of the kindness of your heart, and people just because of that love of hockey, which I'm sure that they, they saw how much that you feel about the, the beautiful game, and they could be generous and just even want to help spread the word about it and, and give stuff and yeah. themselves. And 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 because gear is really personal, too. You know, um, speaking of high school, we had a really good team at the high school I went to. And I've actually donated some gloves that I wasn't using anymore and, and old shin pads to, to the to the team at the time. And it just feels natural. You, you don't even want to thank you or expect a thank you from it. But that's astounding that you're getting people from Chicago, New York, obviously two great cities in terms of hockey fandom. So that is really remarkable. I had another guy from Boston do the same thing. He, in fact, he contacted me a week ago or two weeks ago and he's sending down uh, more goalie stuff. Wow. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> my my the, the look on my wife's face it's so it's so funny like my, my garage looks like a play it again sports <laughs> hey great <laughs> yeah and my wife being a southern belle oh. has really adapted quite well to my insane desire to collect gear and have stuff to play in i mean i have one quarter of the garage is racks and when i say racks i mean racks steel racks of blockers and catchments and helmets and chesties. And I would say that I have four complete goalie sets. Okay. Like four, like the, the rate, the Bruins, the Rangers, the predators in Tampa Bay. And I've got jerseys from different, different colors that I can mix in because some of them share those primary colors. Sure. So like, I just so happen to have a, a full set that is the same color as the, the blues as the Stanley cup champions this year. So, and it's all out there. I had to develop my own drying system to, uh, to dry out the stuff that actually is in, works incredibly well. When it comes out of that dryer, there is no, there is no, no dampness, nothing. Um, Patent that. <laughs> it, 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 dry, it dries it right out, but it took, it took several years to figure out how to do it, especially in the winter, because now you're having to fight the cold. Sure. You know, and then down here, because we have such muggy summers, it's like keeping the moisture off that, that stuff. You know, so, it, yeah, it, it works. If you want to keep that secret to yourself, that's fine. But if not, would you mind sharing with us uh, what that <laughs> technique is? Yeah. So there's a company out there that's called Uline, and Uline... Um, they sell packing materials and boxes and, and storage items. Mm -hmm. So I was looking through their catalog and saw a two rack roller system. Okay. That actually came with a bonnet extra with a plastic see-through cover. Okay. So it's designed for you to have like, if you have some like really nice clothes, but you have to put them in the storage, you put them into this and like, it keeps the dust and all that kind of stuff off of it. So I put that together. I got some metal hooks to hang this, the gear on it. And then I took one of those portable um, floor heaters, space heaters, mm -hmm. put it on low. So it heats the bag up to about 80 degrees and it stays at 80 degrees and it within a, a day. So if I wear it tonight, or mm -hmm. I go to put it on tomorrow, it's all dried out. Are you an engineer or something? I mean, this is as great. <laughs> this is the next greatest thing since the Zamboni. That, that's, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. 
it wor- it works really well. And if, you know, and if you like to have a little fresher scent, you just you know, then you take and spray something that you like on it. But it does not have the hockey stink because the stink is from the bacteria sure. that's living in the in the sweat and it's feeding on the you know the dead skin cells that's on your stuff. Well, this dries that right out. I mean, wow. it dry it dries it right out. That's spectacular. I, I'm I'm floored right now. <laughs> So, yeah, it took a while to figure that out. I, I tried that rocket dryer and yeah. I tried fans and I tried, I tried everything that they had out there. And I'm just like, this crap is not working. So just for the record, that rocket dryer does not work. The rocket dryer is fine if you only put lightweight items in there. Okay. I would, yeah, I would not put my gold pad, like, okay, I made the mistake of trying to hang everything inside there. Mm-hmm. It's so flimsily made. The, the the arms it's great if you put a little hook on there and you put your defenseman shin pads in there mm-hmm. okay or you or you hang your pants in there okay mm-hmm. but you cannot put like your chesty in there and your leg pad, and it, it's uh it's not made to hold it that's the thing you can get things that will dry out your players gear but, but not your goalie gear the goalie gear has to be substantial the you know to hold all that weight and it's not heavy what is it Pair of leg pads, bower leg pads, right? Eight pounds. Mm. Okay, eight pounds for one pair, right? When they're dry, <laughs> right? You've been sweating in that, right? It's like double, okay, yeah. at least double. Mm-hmm. So now you're asking this this little plastic thing with plastic hinges that flips down like it's like the legs from the Apollo lander, okay? <laughs> and it's a and it's supposed to hold, you know, hold the stuff. Yeah, it'll hold plastic shin pads, but it is not designed to hold the heavy stuff. I went through two of them. <laughs> yeah, at a hundred and some odd bucks a piece. Yeah. Hey. That's a great scouting report. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and they don't sell parts. So if you if something breaks on it, oh yeah, this it's designed for you to go buy the whole thing all over again. Mm-hmm. Oh, God bless. Yeah. So this this thing is not gonna break. I could hang off the bars and that thing and ain't gonna break. <laughs> I I don't know if I'd recommend that while the dryer is on, but <laughs> I'll definitely lose weight in there. Yeah. Yeah, well, don't you guys lose enough weight when you're playing goal as it is? Oh, oh yeah. So, uh, oh, okay. So, talking about that. So, one of the players last Sunday had his Fitbit on, okay? Mm-hmm. So, Jim is a marathon runner, mm. all right? And between his actual training for his marathons, he comes and does his interval training with us. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, and he'll, he'll tell you every time he plays with us, it just kills him, okay? It just It just kills him. So last week in the two hours that we played, he ran five miles, okay, on that floor. And um, he burnt 2,000, I think like 2,411 calories, mm-hmm. okay. And it was something else too. But I don't remember. It wasn't that important, so I don't remember it. But I looked at mine. So I have an Apple Watch. And I looked at mine like, okay, so how did I do? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just, in, I'm just in the crease. Right. Playing the same. Well, actually, he gets breaks. I don't get breaks. Right. Mm. So I'm out, I'm out there the whole time. Okay. I run half the distance and I burn off the same amount of calories. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, it, that's it, a, it gets cheap. That really puts it in perspective. That That's a fascinating test and, and really amazing. Apparently, you're supposed to be able to lose about 2 to 3% of your body weight when you play. That's how oh, much, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like crazy how much you lose. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a lot of up, down, left, right, you know, you're and you're always kind of tensed up. So you have to. Yeah, I, I, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it, it's nice that the stuff is lighter and stronger than it used to be. But, you know, when you put it all on, it's about 30 pounds. Sure. You know, so then then, then you, you're sweating in that thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the, the ventilation and they, they it, now it's air conditioned, but not air conditioned like it's like cool. Mm-hmm. I mean. Man, there are some games at the end of the, the period you like rip that stuff off so you can you can breathe again. You know? Oh yeah. So yeah, Gary's just being very humble. But in in the league that we played in, it was outdoors, and you know, in New York, in in, in oh. the summertime, it gets really very humid and very hot, and yeah. the sun's beating down on you. So uh, yeah, Gary has lost a lot of weight. And <laughs> not uh, nearly enough. Never complained. James. Not nearly well, enough. Didn't, never complained one bit about it and he got sunburned too anytime that we played when, when the sun was out so he could definitely relate with that and uh, any goalie out there too especially in deck if you're not indoors so we know what that that heat is like so yeah, yeah if it's air conditioning is still 80 degrees that's no fun yeah it would be okay so my job is electrical it's safety and compliance okay i would not want to be subjecting people to playing hockey in the humidity in the i mean when you got 90 degrees and it's 90 percent humidity down here i mean you're asking for someone's serious health risks yes you know seriously but we'd still play anyways but i'd be like you know you probably kill yourself (laughs) (laughs) just drink a lot of uh power drinks and water or whatever you'll be fine yeah yeah exactly exactly i would like to tell you officially that i am not recommending that you play in these conditions now go suit up yeah exactly yeah <laughs> now, i'm not gonna tell you and i'm not your mother okay but <laughs> do what you want to do but i expect to see you out there in five minutes right <laughs> yeah so speaking of which, so you mentioned you have about 20 adults in, in the uh, LaGrange Street Hockey League right now. How about uh, the kids? Is there a number? Yeah, the, the kids are between typically 12 to 18. Now, they, they're different age groups. I, the youngest that just started last week, he's six. All right. Oh. And then I had a new kid start tonight, and he's 14. All right. So I've got the bigs and the smalls, or I call them the junior and senior group when we're out there. I had a kid ask me one time, one of the older kids, he just started and he's looking at the little ones playing around him. And he asked me, he said, so what am I supposed to do with them? And I said, well, the first thing is you're not allowed to touch them. Okay? <laughs> you, you can't hit them. So you have to treat them like traffic cones. Okay. Like you learn your, your puck handling skills going around them, passing off the boards to yourself, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. That's what you do. And uh, I said, and when they're on your team, you learn how to place a pass on your stick so that they can shoot because they can shoot. All right. But, you know, you send them some kind of crazy, you know, crazy pass. They're not going to be able to do much with it. And uh, then he said, so what do they get out of it? And I said, they learn not to be afraid. Excellent advice all the way around. And so they do. They all play. They all play. And I mean, they they bump and they bang just like the adults do. They knock one another down. I mean, it happens, you know, when they're, they're bumping, mm. the older ones are going, are crashing into the boards and they're, they're poking and jabbing and, and, and I'm standing there refing, screaming at him, you know, dig, 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 you know, and get that puck. He's on, he's standing on it, knock him off of it, you know, and encouraging them, tell him you got to keep this thing going, you know, and it works. It really, I've had many of the parents come over and tell me that, before their son or daughter started playing, they were very shy 
and didn't really get involved, wanted to stay home and watch video games. And now these kids are their leaders in their class. They'll step up. They'll help another kid that's in trouble. That kind of that's what's coming out of teaching them how to how to play and work together. Amen. Um, definitely. I really am thankful for the opportunity to do this. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to the guys. It also means a lot to the parents of the kids because they see what's happening with your children playing this game. And it's like they're telling their friends, you've got to bring your son or your daughter over to do this mm. because it's more than just talk. That's the whole love of the game. There's more to it than just playing this game. You can teach so much through it. I've got one kid that just came back from uh, Notre Dame. Uh, he went to their, their summer camp and that's his second year up there. So Landon Gogol is, he's going into eighth grade, I think. Okay. He's done all of his dry land training with me. Okay. He goes down to Columbus, a city here in Georgia. It's about an hour south of here. And he plays on an ice hockey team down there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's getting his, his real, he's getting his skills from, from here and he's taking yeah. them down there. When he went to Notre Dame last year, when the camp was finished, the men's coach went looking for his mom. Okay. And um, asked where they were from and where he was learning how to play. And she said, well, Coach Glenn with the LaGrange Street Hockey League. And, um, and he's, he's getting his ice hockey skills down in, uh, in Columbus. And he said, if he keeps this up, he said, I'll be looking to recruit him when he graduates from high school. Wow. That's a great compliment. This year, he played against a, uh, a kid that's in AAA. And um, they, ended up, they tied up the score. was 3-3. He was stopping all kinds of stuff. I mean, he's... When he, and he's been playing with our adults, okay? Playing with our adults since he was nine. And what's that? Oh, I, I will. my wife just stepped in. So Landon dresses up when he first came to play. I looked at his gear and said, okay. His mom's like, can he play with you guys? And I say, sure. So we got out the ball and we played with the ball. And we did that for about three weeks. And his mother, who's from New Jersey, said, I don't want him playing with that ball anymore. And I said, well, if we're going to use the puck, He's got to step up his gear. So they went out and they bought him all brand new gear. Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, we're, I mean, like, we're not easy. Sure. You know, when we're playing, we're playing, you know, we're like playing as hard as we can. I've got an 85 mile an hour slap shot. Okay. And he's taking them, you know, and he's stopping them. He's learned how to use his blocker correctly and, and direct things over into the corner. Nice, goes into his butterflies, got a nice kick save and a nice basket. If he gets it right in the in the middle of his chest or his stomach, he just absorbs it like, like the way Tuca was doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's beautiful to see. And, and stymie some of the really good hockey players that come to play. It's, you know, they're just like, that kid's amazing. Yeah, he really is. Now, was the issue with playing with the ball that she felt that he wasn't adequately being prepared to play the game of hockey? That's correct. Yeah, she was like, no, I want him to get used to seeing and tracking the puck and getting used to that instead of the, the ball. She was just absolutely like, no, I don't want that anymore. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the other guys that you play with, or I say guys, the other people, adults that you play with were okay with switching? Well, at first they were a little nervous. Okay, so when Landon got the stuff, he came in on a Thursday. Uh, this was before we had the kids group. Okay, so I'd always been going on a Thursday night. And so he came in and we started working together. And I mean, I started rifling stuff at him. Okay, and then the, um, what do they call those? Those, they're like, they're shooting pucks. Usually you just use them for like passing drills and stuff. Mm-hmm. The green biscuit. Well, mm-hmm. the green biscuit makes the shooting one so that when they hit the pipe, 
They don't shatter. Hmm. Okay. And I'm watching those things at him. Okay. And he's taking them off the cage. He's catching them. He's getting them in the chest. I mean, so when we were ready to play on Sunday and I told them they were all hesitant, I said, okay, watch this. Right. And I just, you know, I let loose a couple on them and they were like, oh, okay, he's, he's fine. Now he's, he's got some bruises. Right. You know, he now, like I do, I wear steel toed sneakers. Mm. And so he does too, because after he got one toenail jammed up, yeah, yeah, he went ahead and started doing that. But yeah, he's a, he's a good kid. How do you determine teams when you play? Do you have seasons? Do you have just, you pick up what, how does that shake out? So it's mostly pick up unless we're getting ready for the tournament. And then we'll put the tournament players on one team versus everybody else, which means that in some instances they don't get any subs. You know, the other team is rotating Mm. and just, you know, beating them up. We have enough people that come that we know we could play some A, B and C players. So of course the A's, you split those up so that it's even both teams. You do that with the B's pretty much. And then you spread the C's around. For the most part, it works out pretty evenly. When it doesn't, what you do then is you put the strongest goaltender with the weakest team. Mm. All right. And that balances it out. Now, that goaltender might be in for a long day, (laughs) but he's the one that keeps the team in it, you know, against the other one. So that's how we do that. And we have one guy that is a sled hockey player. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hill Daniels, um, Hill helps me coach on Thursday nights. Hill became a paraplegic back just after he was in his second year of college. So I'm going to say this was back probably about the time we started playing, maybe a little further back than that. And um, so he started playing sled hockey for the Atlanta Sparks, which is a small team up there in Atlanta. Mm. And he's played goaltender. And he hadn't graduated from college here. We have LaGrange College. It's a, it's a small uh, Methodist college, private college. And some of his friends came over and they were playing and they were telling us about him. And they said, hey, can he'll play. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Bring him. Well, he didn't bring his sled. He came in his wheelchair. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he bought his gear. All right. And so we talked about it. He told me he's been playing ice hockey. And I said, you want to, you know, take a couple shots. He's like, yeah. So he suits up and he's in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my nickname for him is Ironsides. Right? <laughs> he rolls over into the goal. Okay. And we're just like, the pucks is like going off the frame of the wheelchair. I mean, it's like hitting everywhere, hitting him. He stopped and stopped and everything. And the newspaper showed up that day and got some pictures of him playing goal. Well, he came back, you know, he started watching first and just reffing. But then he came one day with his sled. He finally got a spare sled. And I said, we're going to mount wheels on that. No way. So that you can play with us. And that's what we did. I took it to my shop. I had our mechanics mount a set of wheels on that thing right and he goes and he straps himself into that sled and he plays hockey with the rest of us that's outstanding oh it's a lot of fun yeah and and, and like any other goalie there are times where oh my god he's a sieve but when he's on oh my god just <laughs> unbelievable saves he has no conscious use of his body from the middle of his chest on down Wow. So it's kind of hard for him to lift both hands at once because he has nothing to hold them in place. Sure. But he manages to reach up up to the top of the crossbar and uh, and snag stuff out of the air or he'll be laying on his side and all of a sudden out goes one of those arms and, you know, he's bats the thing away. God bless. You know, so, yeah, it's pretty awesome watching him play. And so now what he's doing is he hasn't played in the last little bit with us, but he's trying to establish a sled hockey team down in Columbus. Columbus had an SPHL team down there, the Cottonmouths. 
and they stopped operations two years ago. Mm. Well, now the FHL, the Federal Hockey League, is like a 10-team league that's all through the Northeast and out in Michigan and Wisconsin and now here. They're going to start operations this fall. And Hill has been talking to them, a couple other people, to see about getting a sled hockey team out of Columbus. We have Fort Benning here, which is like the base where they send most of the guys that sign up for the military for the infantry. A lot of them will go there for training. And, you know, a lot of them are from the north and they have a rink there, you know, so they'll go and they'll play hockey in their off time and stuff like that. So Mm. it's a great opportunity. And, you know, he's, well, we've talked to the University of, most people don't know this, but all of the SEC teams that like dominate football, Mm -hmm. they all have their own hockey clubs. Mm. So, you know, you're watching Auburn and Georgia, you know, play each other, which is great for here because you have these kids grow up. Half of them love Georgia and half of them love Auburn. Right? <laughs> and then we took them to a hockey game against the two of them. They played each other in Columbus, which is the Auburn home rink. And the kids were just, they went nuts. They absolutely loved it. So we're, we're fortunate that, you know, there's hockey. There is hockey here. It's just not advertised and it's not made available. It's not made easy to play. I mean, I love ice hockey, right? But if you're in a place where you don't have a lot of ice and you want people to play, you got to change how you're doing stuff to get them in. Yeah. Oh, man, I really, I hate to stop this conversation here, Glenn, but I'm sure we'll keep going next week. But right now, uh, you know, rather than talk our listeners' ear off for, for who knows how long, I think this would be a great stopping point. So if if you are amenable, we'll pick this up next week. And uh, I'm going to hold you to that, even though you didn't actually verbally answer. I'm going to take your silence as an affirmative, and we're going to pick this up next week. So uh, we'll, 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 we'll do that again soon, yes? But for now, we have something else coming up in the very near future. Another great friend of the podcast and uh, that is, you know, Kevin Frost and the great work that he is doing in Raleigh in the RSHL. It all comes full circle, too, because that's how we learned about Glenn in the first place was from the RSHL. One of their tournaments, I wasn't sure if it was the summer shootout or, uh, or another one that they do in the wintertime, the winter classic, I believe. But yeah, Kevin Frost does a great job with that. And hopefully we'll get to a story or two of Glenn and how we got to know him through the RSHL summer shootout, or at least one of the RSHL tournaments. But in the meantime, it's Saturday, July 27th at the recording of this podcast. They're doing their 2019 RSHL summer shootout. The tournament begins at 9 a.m., and it's usually about 12 hours long with three divisions. There are A, B, and C divisions. Of course, Kevin has explained this in the past, and it just sounds like so much fun. And also, too, we've had Daniel Wilson on recently, and he showed you the incredible job that they do with the play-by-play and showing the games on their channel, their YouTube channel. So that will be up to soon after the games have been played. Three-on-three format, 10-minute games, running clock, no offsides, and a ton of fun. So we're looking forward to it. If you're playing in it, by all means, enjoy, be safe, have fun, play well. If you want to wait to watch it, you're going to enjoy it. And if you're in the area by the Greensboro Sportsplex, go check it out and root these guys on. Yeah, definitely. And we will no doubt be recapping this tournament and and hopefully have Kevin Frost on to talk about it. And, uh, you know, as we, we always like to do, since Kevin is such a great supporter of the podcast, and since these tournaments are so much fun, 
not only to experience, but, you know, to, to just to watch after the fact and to fun for us to talk about. So if you want to know what we're talking about in that inevitable future podcast episode, you should, you know, keep up, go to go to the YouTube channel, see what Daniel Wilson's put out there and, uh, you know, check out the summer shootout. And if you're in the area and you have the capacity to do so, play in the summer shootout. You don't want to be left out. It's a great time. And finally, James, you know, it is it is about that time. And I think it's a great time to do a quick check in on another summer edition of This Week in Gritty. This Week in Gritty. So what has our big orange friend gotten up to this week? Well, it's some stuff worth mentioning. I thought I had a week. Gritty has <laughs> Gritty's been busy. I I. I cruised by his Twitter feed and lo and behold, he's, he's had some fun with, uh, I don't know, dress up and, and, and video production. First, James, let me ask you, are you a fan of the television show Stranger Things? No, I'm not. And I can't stand that curly headed kid. Ah, yes. Okay. Well, then you will not get the reference. I was going to explain it anyway, but now I will doubly explain it. For for your benefit. So in this third season of Stranger Things, one of the main characters this season is a lifeguard. And there is a scene in, I think it was the first episode. And it was this, this, this titular, well, not titular, because it's not called this lifeguard guy things. But this, this character of which I speak, he's kind of walking along the, the deck of the the pool, not the other thing that we talk about. Uh. He's he's walking along the deck in his you know lifeguard shorts, and and all the uh, the women around are, are giving him the eye and like oh my, and you know just kind of getting very very uh, hot and bothered over this guy <laughs> as he's cockily striding down the uh, you know the the side of the pool, and so gritty has photoshopped himself in place of this lifeguard. So so it's basically that scene, but it's gritty, saucily strutting in lifeguard shorts down the uh, the pool as all the women, you know, kind of get hot and bothered and and give him the eye and all the, all that stuff. So, yeah, that that's uh that was a thing. That was a thing this week, but that's not even what I really wanted to talk about this week. There's more? Oh, yes, there's more, James. That was a thing worth worth mentioning as, you know, that's the icing on the cake. But the cake is is what I'm really here to talk about. So I mentioned he had some fun uh, with uh, cameras and, and what have you. Grady decided to play a little dress up this week, James. And he I don't know if it, he just he, he went into the photo studio and he had himself a little time. So Gritty decided to to do a little photo shoot wherein he dressed up as, I guess, Philadelphia celebrities, various Philadelphia celebrities, iconic uh, and recognizable people from Philadelphia, among them Rocky in uh you know with with an orange orange belly button this time oh and you know in the in the like red white and blue boxing shorts with the gloves and the air and the what have you he he dressed up as the fresh prince of bel-air <laughs> let's see quest love was in there tina fey some kind of mardi gras outfit which i i didn't really 
whatever. And then uh, this one, this one, James, was really something. He teamed up with the fanatic, the Philly fanatic, to dress as Hall and Oates. Hall and Oates? Yes. Where did that come from? I, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> finally, he ended up dressed as Betsy Ross. Oh. Knitting a flag. <laughs> or sewing. Sewing a flag. I don't, I don't think she knit the. Anyway. So, she deserves much better either way. Yeah. But James, I have to tell you, I think I've developed Stockholm Syndrome for Gritty because I was reading some of the comments underneath the video and there were a couple, not a lot, mostly it was overwhelmingly positive love for Gritty, but there was a couple that were like attacking him and, you know, taking him to task for not him specifically, but I guess the flyers for for being so ridiculous and kind of, I guess, taking away the limelight from the other Philadelphia teams. I don't really get that, but whatever, it's not my culture. But I I found myself feeling defensive towards Gritty. Like, uh, how, how can you attack Gritty like that? You know, I, I he's got me. He's he's wormed his way into my head. I don't know how it happened. I don't know. I, you know, uh I think I feel the same way that you do, as Glenn was saying, with the with the passion of hockey and what it's all about and teaching it and how generous people are to give their time and talent and money and personal gear to promote the game, that maybe that uh, fraternity and sorority is, is growing with us. That at first, just being Ranger fans, I mean, I, I didn't get gritty at all, but I think you're right. This Greek and Gritty is one of my favorite features, too. So the orange guy, he's, he's making his way into our, uh, our hearts somehow. James, what has happened to us? I don't know. I don't like it, and I'm quite frightened. Me too. Hold me. I mean, figuratively, we're obviously in different boroughs. Yeah. Well, either way, I'm hiding behind you because I'm a big coward. So. Yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, I've, I've made myself a target for Gritty, so that's probably best that you, you put me out in front. Put your gear on, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now thanks to Glenn, I know how to dry it out and make sure it's not stinky. <laughs> so thanks, Glenn. And uh, James, I guess that has been This Week in Gritty. This Week in Gritty. And I guess that's going to do it for another episode of Hit the Deck. Last minute remaining in the podcast. It has been a fun time. A lot of fun talking to Glenn. We would like to thank Glenn Thank you, Glenn, for sharing your time and, and talking to us about your hockey passion here on the podcast. It's, it's well appreciated. And uh, it, it's really, I think, I, I hope I speak on behalf of our listeners when I say it's a great listen. And we really enjoyed it. And we will enjoy hearing more from you next week. So I'm going to pencil you in. No, you know what? You know what? I'm going to pen you in for next week. How's that? It's, it's a done deal, sir. So you better be here because we'll be here and it's going to be a thing that's going to happen. So look for Glenn next week. Thank you again, Glenn. Thank you to Anthony Sajazi for providing us with you know music for the podcast. And thank you to you for listening to another episode of Hit the Deck. We really genuinely appreciate you. We appreciate your indulgence in all of our uh, the time we spend talking about Star Trek and other nonsense. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh, really I think Hit the Deck is a community and you are 
the community of Hit the Deck. So we we really genuinely truly appreciate you. Thank you for being a part of this community. If you'd like to be a more active part of the community, please feel free to contact us. You can email us at hit the deck. Deck is spelled D-E-K. Hit the deck at gmail.com. Tweet at us at hit the deck pod. We are at hit the deck on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, we want to hear from you. We want to hear about, you know, show ideas or topics or, or feedback on anything we've discussed. Or uh, if you think you'd make a good guest reach out to us we'd be happy to have a conversation with you about whether or not that's something we want to do and uh, you know just really we're here we're here for you we do this for you and we we want to hear from you so please do that please subscribe to the podcast so you don't have to go looking for it every week whatever your pod platform of choice is subscribe on there just uh you know you'll get hit the deck when it rolls out every week and you don't have to do anything it'll just be there so it's a win-win for everybody james is there anything you'd care to add here at the end yes thank you sir sure please check out the columbus deck hockey association the charlotte street hockey league of course the raleigh street hockey league and the uh, summer shootout you got the var hockey league the dcsh and the dchl And of course, please donate to LaGrange Hockey. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you, James. And of course, dear listener, we will thank you to remember, as always, that whether you are a child being pelted with rocks or an adult running a league that rocks, whether you are having a summer shootout or a summer photo shoot, regardless of what you find yourself doing, we'd always encourage you to remember it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. If you looked at our Facebook page, you probably noticed, like, I'm wearing different colored jerseys and, like, matching pads. Yeah, that's all my stuff. That's me awesome. and Dole in different uniforms from different teams. That's awesome. Oh, my God. I got so much stuff. <laughs> it's, just, it's just to help make the league look bigger than it is. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give away any that. trade secrets now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>